his own words, Bob Goff is a recovering lawyer trying to figure out how to live a whimsical, impactful life. He's a New York Times best-selling author several times over. He runs a popular weekly podcast, became the honorary consul to Uganda, and has recently turned farmer at the Oaks, just outside of San Diego. Hey, Bob, how are you? Oh, I'm so glad to be on here with you. This is fun. Hearing that introduction, it sounds like a guy who's trying to figure out who he is, and it's exactly right. <laughs> As are I'm, we are. I'm trying to figure out who I am, or you're trying to figure out who you are. Maybe both of us are. No, we all are. <laughs> both of us. Well, you're no stranger to community, and you seem to do it so, build community so naturally. You seem to love people. I mean, with books like Love Does and Everybody Always, have you always had such a heart for people, or is that something that God developed in you over time? I think it's continuing to grow, but I'm definitely uh, a guy that's the enthusiast. Like those that look at the Enneagram, I'm like a flaming Enneagram 7. <laughs> Just like, go, 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 go. I make coffee nervous. And I think that what God does, he doesn't pass us notes. He gives us each other. And so that's why I'm just like this uh, Philippians 2.20. It's Paul talking about Timothy. He said, Timothy's a guy who takes a genuine interest in the people around him. And I'd say that's kind of where I'm at. I'm just interested in the people around me. Your books are filled with so many beautiful, true stories of how you've shown love to people all around you. Uh, how do you find the time to love people so well? I remember in law school, I was super busy. And then I met Maria. And I don't know about you, I had all the time in the world <laughs> to spend around her. And so this idea of faith as we like move forward, that somehow God just bends time for the things that are the most important to you. You find a person that you want to, that you're just bedazzled by and you make time. And so I want to do that. I think that's the message of the scriptures about in Matthew 25, like hungry people, thirsty people, sick people, strange people, naked people, and people in jail. As soon as you find uh, this promise that he said, if you want to meet me, you got to meet them. Then, then I have the time. I try to think if I know people in all of those categories, uh, I think I'm missing oh, one or two. <laughs> yeah, hang out with me. I uh, teach at Pepperdine Law School, but I also teach at San Quentin. And the uh, difference between my students at Pepperdine and the ones at San Quentin, the San Quentin ones never graduate. <laughs> They're in for life. And uh, there's something beautiful. Like, I don't go to teach them. I go to learn. And Jesus said, when you meet them, you'll meet me. And so I, it's been five years and they haven't learned a thing from me. But I think there's something about that idea, even in community with people that have a different life experience than me. I mean, here I am at my house. I've got my surfboards. I'm like, uh, their world looks different. Their cells are five feet, 10 inches wide and seven feet long. And there's two guys bigger than me, two bunk beds a bathroom, a sink, and everything they own. And so even though we have a different life experience, again, like God builds community there too. You wrote Love Does uh, quite a while ago, but for those who aren't uh, familiar, can you just uh, give a little taste about what your Love Does adventure has been like? Yeah, it really came from people that have introduced me to what faith and community is all about. I was in high school and I was going to drop out. Uh, there's some tests you have to take uh, to drop out and graduate the GED, but I couldn't figure out how to sign up for it, which was an indicator on reflection. Uh, but there was a guy uh, named Randy who was 
uh, involved my life. He was a young life leader. And and uh, when I showed up on his doorstep Sunday to say, I'm going to drop out and move to Yosemite, I mean, with a body like this, who wouldn't climb rocks? And uh, you know what he said? I'm with you. And he got his backpack and a sleeping bag. He jumped in the Volkswagen with me. We drove to Yosemite for the next three days. I looked for jobs unsuccessfully. And when I got back home, I just decided I'm just going to go back to school. But he didn't talk to me like my parents. He kept saying those words, I'm with you. And when we pulled into the driveway at his house, having bailed on Yosemite, uh, there's tissue paper, a microwave, an osterizer. And you know what had happened on Saturday? Randy got married. On Sunday morning, I showed up on his doorstep and his first instinct wasn't to say, like, this guy's wrecking the beginning of my marriage. His first instinct was to say, I'm with you. And that's why I came to faith. Like Emmanuel, God with us. And a guy that doesn't see people as like uh, mess ups, he just saw a confused high school kid. And that is where the gospel gets passed, like hand to hand. Where people showing up, not with information, but with that kind of availability. Well, what I want to know is what the first words his wife said when he told him that he was going to hang out with you instead of her. (laughs) Yes. Here's the crazy thing. They're 40 years into this marriage and they're still friends and they're still available to people. I just think I can imagine that their economy is built around availability to people around him, not to the to the detriment of our own selves, like that you could say you could still have some boundaries. Uh, and granted, his were different than most people's. But I think it took something like that, that kind of radical mm. availability to really get my attention. And so on the back of a couple million books, I put my cell phone number. Is that crazy? I get 100 calls a day. It's awesome. I can't get a thing done. But there's something about that that I learned from a guy 45 years ago named Randy. If you want to hang out and chat with Bob Goff for an hour and a half, just get me. Don't even say that. <laughs> I'm going to write the your wife. Code. I put your cell phone number. Oh, that's perfect. That's perfect. Thanks a lot, Bob. What has loving people this way taught you about God? First thing, it exposes my own kind of selfishness. Like, because I, uh, I walk around thinking about how do I feel about everything? Like somebody has an opinion, have somebody does something wonky. I just like, how do I feel about that? And I'm trying to learn a little bit to say, I wonder how God feels about that. And the one thing that I've kind of learned at Zechariah 4.10, and it says that not to despise small beginnings, because the Lord loves to watch the work begin. I don't know if you've ever seen a, a little kid that takes their first step. I've got a couple grandkids and, and I didn't like see this first step and say like, I've seen better. <laughs> it's like, of course not. It's like awesome. And I think every time we shuffle our feet forward, God just sees us making some progress. And so I just hope that we would be a community of people that are applauding, like instead of giving direction, uh, just to say, way to take your next step. Good on you. Bob, with so much distraction in the culture today, I've got work, I've got kids, we've got, you know, financial issues and health issues and so many things that are demanding our attention. How do you get past so many of the distractions to make time to love people? Yeah, I just think if we were to uh, ask this question that Jesus asked every blind guy he met, he said, what do you want? (laughs) Can you imagine that? The guy's like, I'm I'm blind, I'm blind. He says, what do you want? (laughs) 
It's like, duh. Uh, but I think this idea, I don't think Jesus was confused. I think he wants us to know what we want. And he wants us to ask, why do we want it? And then we wants us to decide in, in a community of people, what are you going to do about it? If you could just do that, figure out what you want. And then I, if you want a convertible, go get two. But if somebody's just going to break into it. Uh, I want to want things that are going to last a little bit longer. I think that's where Jesus was always telling his friends to lift your eyes, to say, what would last longer? I think we want love, purpose, connection, a couple authentic relationships, a couple friends like us that can just laugh together. And if you're not, if you're listening and you're not getting those things, go find those things. Just know what you want. And they get your head on a swivel and say, well, I'm going to start asking God to do that. Here's a God who said, like, uh, make your requests known to me. But he also said, I know before you ask. I think it's like, make it known to you so you can make it known to me. So you know what you want. And then we can start asking God to drop a couple friends in our life, a couple safe people. We could start asking him, why don't you make me a safe person that I that some people would find their way to? They aren't going to meet an opinion. They'll actually meet Jesus. I love that. I absolutely love that. And I know that you wrote a brand new book. Uh, we're talking about distractions. There's so many of them. And you come through with Undistracted. Tell us about your new project. I uh, woke up early and took this little boat. We've got a dock behind the house. I went out to watch the sunrise. It was just beautiful. And I got back in and uh, to the dock. I went back inside the house, lit a fire, and another boat pulled in a little bit later that looked just like mine. I got the binoculars out and I'm looking. It's my boat. <laughs> <laughs> I had gone to the dock and I hadn't tied it up. I just went inside. I mean, who does that? And I realized the guy that wrote a book called Undistracted, I was totally distracted. But here's the thing. I was distracted by something beautiful. I, sometimes we think of a distraction as something that's like bad or too much of this or that. But to say we can be distracted by all kinds of things. We can be distracted by comparison. And we need to put a dollop of truth on that and say God never compares what he creates. We can be distracted by beauty and to say I need to finish some of the things that I've started, like tie up the boat. So maybe where you could do a little self-assessment and say if you're listening like, what is it that's distracting me? Let's put a pin in it, figure out what it is, and then bring that to God. And to just say, could you help me be a less distracted by what's going on around me so I can get more figuring out what's going on inside of me? Bob, this is awesome. I want to keep talking with you. And uh, when we come back, we're going to talk about building community and how to protect it. We're back with Bob Goff. Bob, before the break, we talked a bit about your pursuit to love people well and how your community has developed through that pursuit. I wanna talk with you now about how you've gone to great lengths uh, literally to build uh, environments that promote community and how each of us can then protect the community that we build. Uh, Bob, you, you've built these, these incredible um, facilities and places, like a school in Uganda for witch doctors and a facility in, in San Diego called the Oaks. You're focusing on building spaces for communities to gather. What's so important about building that space? Yeah, it's kind of like, uh, I bet if I came over for dinner, uh, you would have set the table. 
you would have said you would have probably made some put some cookies in the oven to make people uh, when I arrived not to just think I was invited but I was actually welcome like there there's a lot of people that are even inviting people to church and then they arrive and they don't feel welcome so what I want to do is be the person that sets the tone that when you come in you just smell the cookies in the oven literally or metaphorically and you just know I'm welcome here and we try to bring that to people that are in some really difficult circumstances. We got in about uh, 12 different countries that we're operating in. 11 of them are in the middle of civil wars. Afghanistan, we've got a girls' school of all the crazy things. We've started it a number of years ago. Uh, and we've got all the girls in their chairs learning. We've got schools in Mogadishu, Somalia. Uh, this one in Afghanistan, 1,600 kids living on campus and learning. I've got kids in law school and medical school. And it's been so fun. If we could just create the space, then let God do whatever he's going to do in their lives. But I think our thing is that his promise in Philippians 1.6 is that he's going to complete it. But I think our opportunities, we get to start it. Why do you think magic happens when people come together? I know that when I have a campfire in my backyard, I've got this great fire pit and, and 12 chairs around, and you know, you, you light the fire and you invite the people and you, you break out the marshmallows and the chocolate and the graham crackers, and something magic happens. There's chemistry that, that goes on. Uh, why do you think that is? Is that just one of the, the blessings that God's given us, community? Yeah, I think it's because you get a little smoke on you. Do you find that the smoke just follows you to your chair? Yeah, oh, every time, you are? of course. I just honestly feel like this kind of this thing we talk about in the scriptures, the aroma of Christ, is a bunch of people that are experiencing a bunch of authenticity. Acts 2 and 4, it said they broke bread together and they had things in common. So I don't think it was just about pounding carbs. <laughs> I think it was about having a common experience. So you and your friends are around the fire and you have this shared experience. Yeah. And, I, and I think it's the conversations that you get underneath the superficial. Like it wouldn't be lame if I came over and I'm sitting around the fire pit and I hand you my business card. You'd be like, oh, dude, read the room. And this isn't even a room <laughs> like this. Is. <laughs> Just show up, man. You don't need anything. Just show up, bring yourself and be authentic. And I think if we can create safe places, whether it's within a church building, whether it's in a stand of Redwoods, where we could just be actually authentic and to just say about what are we, what are we sure about and what are we still figuring out? Uh, I think I, I was reading uh, uh, at Mark 9, it was a dad like me, and he said, I believe, just help my unbelief. Like, and so it feels like it's pulling in two directions, but I think it's just a guy being real to say, there's some stuff I'm positive about and there's some stuff I'm still figuring out, man. That's where I live every day of the week. <laughs> I just, but I want to get real about that rather than faking like I haven't figured out because there's no, no more off-putting characteristic than somebody that thinks they have absolutely everything that they're positive about. Just be humble, be real. I also learned that as you and your wife are raising your kids, you've encouraged them to um, reach out to people, to initiate friendships. And they've actually gotten to meet some uh, really cool people, even, even world leaders. Uh, why, why is that important for us to teach our children to initiate relationships? Yeah, you know what? Your kids are going to follow your lead. I, I bet I was in college before I realized I'm not my dad. And it would seem like self-evident. 
but I, I like him a lot. And he was the model in my life. So I assumed I'm supposed to be him, but I realized I'd make a lousy version of him and he'd make a lousy version of me, but instead like to be yourself, but uh, go beyond just this kind of self-actualization, figure out who you are, do what Paul said to Timothy, like take a genuine interest in other people. And I think some of the things that sidelined us is we tried something, it didn't work out. So if you do have kids, uh, then I know that can be a handful of work, but it's also an armful of opportunity. Like I just want to say, so we wrote to every leader in the whole world. We They said, we're Lindsay, Richard, Adam, and we want to know if you want to come over for a sleepover. <laughs> <laughs> and if you can't make it, what if we come to your house and ask you this, what are you hoping for? And you know what? Out of almost 200 world leaders, we got 25 yeses. And so we pulled the kids out of school and we went. We got the cheapest tickets you can ever imagine. <laughs> and there's a whole world that is just hoping that you will engage them. So write to people, go across the street, meet your neighbor, make them a pie. If they don't want a pie, I do. <laughs> Send it to me. Uh, but I, what I want us to do is instead of observing and forming opinions, like engage and see what God might do with that. Listen, I make a mean chicken pot pie. And I'm not talking just some like milky, watery, celery and carrots kind of thing. I'm talking Thanksgiving dinner in a pie tin. And people will actually meet that pie and they'll meet Jesus. <laughs> and it, it, here's the thing, because they'll meet all the hospitality that's around it. So sometimes people think it's just having great doctrine. And I've met people that have great doctrine and lousy theology. I want people that have sound doctrine and great theology. And loving people the way Jesus did is great theology. So if if I do what you say, and I've and I've got a whole campfire going, and uh, I've got a chicken pot pie ready to serve up, how do I know who to invite? Do I invite yeah. my neighbors? Do I invite people from work, from church? Do I invite people I don't even, do I let my, my friends invite people that I don't even know? Um, you know, do I run them all by my wife first before I invite them? How do I do this, Bob? Yeah, I'm thinking small, medium, and large. What would be a small step? Like asking your best buddy, like that, you know, the person that you go surfing with, the person you hang out with, that, that's easy. That's the small one. Pick a medium one. Somebody that was probably hoping you'd call, but would feel like too presumptuous, like to have called you and say, hey, I'll, I'll be over for dinner at six. And that's probably the one you're not gonna call. And then just say, what's that large? What would feel like a kind of a bigger step? Maybe somebody that you got a little sideways with, what a great kind thing to say. You know, I know it got a little wonky before. Why don't you come over? Let's pound some marshmallows together. And that just the fact, even if they didn't come, you just told them we're good. Like we're back. Like we're at that place where we do it. So even the people listening to say, what would be a small step? Knowing Zechariah 410, God delights in watching the work begin. Think about the medium step. It would be a little bit afraid to do it because you're like, ah, how's this going to turn out? And just know the angels are leaning over the rails, just waiting to see if you'll make this move. God already knows how it's going to turn out, but the angels only know what he tells them. And then think a large step, like what would be like a really bold move? And I'd say surround yourself with those people because the crazy part is these are the people that you're going to spend eternity with. Man, if you don't like people, you're going to hate heaven because um, they're going to be surrounded by people and some of them don't agree with you. 
but they've got their eyes fixed on him. And I just want us to be that kind of invitational church, that kind of an invitational community of people saying, let's make this thing bigger. Bob, a lot of people know that you uh, you put your personal contact information on uh, on one of your books, and and with you making yourself so available to all of these people, how can, how do you possibly balance time with your family and 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 put those boundaries up without it looking like a boundary? Picture a castle. Maybe you and I could have one of those, uh, and so we kind of got our six covered from people on the behind you or on the sides. But picture a castle that has a drawbridge that's down. So you can have availability, like people that want to meet with you. Uh, it would be a little creepy if they stopped you at your car in the studio parking lot. Um, but you could say in a different way, I'm going to leave my drawbridge down in these ways. This is how I'll be accessible. And, and we each do it in different ways. I'm like Tigger. I want to, I'm like, people! <laughs> but some of the people that I love are not like Tigger. Uh, they would just think like having me in the room is a lot of people. So what I want us to do is figure out how God has uniquely wired you and me. Uh, and then for me, I have a greater appetite and, uh, uh, and willingness to encounter people because I'm just super curious. I just assume I'll learn more if I meet more people. Uh, and I've got this little bit of time to figure it out. And so I just want to meet more. If that's not you, don't be somebody else. Go be you. You want to honor God, go be you. Hi, I'm Kirk Cameron. Thanks for listening to this episode of Takeaways. If you love the conversations that we're having, please follow or subscribe to this podcast to never miss any of this great content. And please consider leaving a positive rating and a review to help others like you discover this show. 